What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy City Gridiron podcasting channel. And I'm coming at you a little bit later than usual, about two hours after the game, with none other than Windy City Gridiron and bootleg football's own EJ Snyder to break down the loss that drops the Bears to 3-7 and seven against the Tyler Huntley-led Baltimore Ravens that, look, EJ, I'll start you off with a softie. Does this kill... The Bears' season, are they done? Stick a fork in them, no postseason, it's over? I, I'm not sure I wasn't there before this, but yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's been a wild year, and it's hard to say that. But anybody that's really holding out hope for that, I mean, we're Bears fans. We want to see them win. But this team's not built to win. And if they had gone on a winning streak, it would have been highly unlikely. So they didn't win. They haven't been winning. Uh, yeah, I'll say that's it. So I had the awesome opportunity to watch the game with my dad, my father. I talk about him on the show here and there. He's like, obviously, everybody gets their football mentality from, like, their dad, right? Mm -hmm. And what was funniest part of the game was realizing that you can cook up winning streak scenarios when you aren't watching the Bears because (laughs) you can forget what it's like to watch the Bears and then – you watch them down 6-0 to zero to Tyler Huntley, unable to score in the first half altogether, and you're like, oh, maybe we're not going to beat the Vikings twice. I guess that's not going to happen, is it? And it's wild to just think of the disparity, right, where it's like, are the Vikings good? Well, not necessarily, but at least they're the competitive kind of good, whereas this team, without the defense that keeps teams down, like what we saw against San Francisco, if their offense doesn't score relatively well, they're going to get spaced. Wouldn't be surprised if they win on Thanksgiving, though. You know what I mean? You know, if there was ever a time to be set up for a victory on Thanksgiving, it's <laughs> against the, you know, the best 0-9-1 team in the league. i love that but obviously we have to talk about that more at the end of the show when it comes to this game i mean i'm sure there are plenty of bears fans out there that are furious because the bears just lost to a udfa quarterback they lost coming off of their bye matt Nagy, obviously woefully poor out of timeouts comes out of his fourth large timeout in bears uh, in his bears tenure and lost his fourth game i think he's never won out of a bye which would shock me more if um, if I wasn't so unsurprised hearing that statistic. But when it comes to emotions, do you have any at this point? No. JB and I did a show a couple of weeks ago on Bears Over Beers where we kind of uh, – maybe we threw in the towel a little bit earlier than you did in terms of just people beating themselves up. We had a lot of fans reaching out to us and, and being upset and saying, why won't they just? And, and all the things that we say as fans, we said, look, This season is largely over, right? This season is not about competing for the NFC North crown. This season is not really even competing about for an extra wild card spot. Like that's not the thing. Here's how to watch the bears for the rest of the year, right? Watch for development in Justin Fields. Watch for the joy of watching. If you want to watch for those crazy moments, like throw to Goodwin, you know, uh, like the screen to Mooney, right? If, if that gives you joy, check it out. And if it makes you want to throw a bottle at your TV, turn it off, right? It doesn't matter. This year doesn't matter. This year's largely over. If you need to go take a walk with the dog or go outside and, and you know, rake some leaves, just do that, right? Give yourself that grace. Do not grind down to the nub with this team because they're not 
if you're if you're only interested in wins, this team's not going to reward you that way. So be good to yourself. Give yourself a little grace. Do what feels good. If you want to be that guy that says, hey, I watched every game no matter how horrible they were, and that gives you a badge, sweet, do it. That's cool. I'm not going to tell you how to fan. But give yourself a little bit of a break. And people reached out after that show. It was really interesting. People reached out on Twitter and in the YouTube comments, and they were like, man, thanks for saying that. It was like permission to like not have to just mash my nose into the terrible and yeah it gives people a little bit of a break they can reset they can look at the box score if that's their thing or watch it on a replay if there's less emotion for them but that's really that's the season right is we're gonna watch justin fields fortunately got hurt unfortunately got hurt today got his ribs dinged up we didn't get to see him as much but that's really what this is about is he continuing to progress and do we see any other players sort of progressing around him on either side of the ball that are worth keeping as you sort of look at a restructure after the season? That's what the rest of the season's about. Couldn't agree more. I mean, it's I think what's funny is so I had the only reason I hadn't thrown in the towel is because the moniker that I've been running off of with the Bears for about a year and a half now is when you need them to win, they probably won't. And when you need them to lose, they probably won't. And so here against a Lamar Jackson-less Ravens team, I was fully expecting the win that would get them back on track and probably keep Matt Nagy here as they headed into, I think they would play Arizona at 5-6. And and if they pulled one out against the Vikings, basically I, I had it all worked up. They beat the Giants. They beat the Vikings once at home. They beat the Lions. And suddenly you're headed into Minnesota at 8 and 8 for a week 17 win or go home game. And I was like, "Ugh, that would be so this team, but it didn't happen. You know, I mean, it's all moot at this point because the bears fell to fifth or five losses straight for the second straight season. I have to make sure I get that tongue twister out. And I think the roughest part. So you mentioned Justin Fields. I feel like there, I take enough, This I'm surprised to say this, I take enough heat on Twitter for being positive on fields. As mm. honest evaluators, I feel like the two of us can plainly say fields did not play well, you know? He did not play great, not at all. And, you know, part of that is absolutely on him. And has it's the same thing that we saw in his college scouting, right? There are yeah. times when... The, when the play starts to close down around Justin Fields, quarterbacks tend to react in two ways. Either they speed way up or they slow way down. And the guys that speed way up, that's not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing, but a lot of times they'll just flick it, make mistakes, do things where they really should have taken an extra beat. The guys that slow down subject themselves to more pressure, right? Because the pocket's going to continue to close and, Justin Fields is a really smart guy as a person. Mm-hmm. Like he has a tremendous memory. He's incredibly intelligent. And he tends to, I think, overprocess. I don't yep. know him. I've never sat in a room with him. He he takes it all in. And sometimes that just slows his processor down a little bit. You can see it. And he did a little bit more of that today. It's it's not a great measuring stick with this offensive line. Because what he's going to get on a snap-to-snap basis is not at all consistent. Um, Sometimes he gets a great pocket. Like we need to say, this line occasionally will establish a great pocket. Or as we saw in that fourth and one, a really nice sealed running lane block. But they don't do it with any consistency, so he can't count on it. So we saw some throws 
Uh, you said when a defense takes away those deep out throws that he liked. And I love that because there was a great little sale concept today where they cleared the middle out with a low cross and they had a higher cross right behind it. Right. And the defenders got to choose, right. Do I bite on that guy coming first or do I wait on this guy that's making an inbreak out of the corner of my eye and the Ravens bit, they both went to the low cross early. It was a great completion across the middle and that is fields roundhouse, right? That play off play action long in breaking route is his roundhouse. And there should be every variation of that play in the playbook. Long, short, from the left, from the right, from the hash, tight bunch, wide spacing, with diagonals, with horizontals. Like you should have every variation of of sale that you could possibly have in that playbook because Fields is really good at that. Like Russell Wilson famously kind of doesn't throw between the hashes as much right fields loves that He's a big tall guy delivers the ball with plenty of zip um sees those lanes very well but the bears do it like I, this is the first time i remember seeing it in a game well you see it about once a game right right and it's almost like by accident it's almost like a variation uh and they should be running some combination of those routes 30% of their throws because they're for those of you that don't know, the sale concept has, has throws at all levels and layers and you can run it from either side if you just swap the formation. So that's a great throw for him. It's a great series of throws. And it was an easy that we talked about offense, not looking easy for the bears. That completion looks so easy. The guy was wide open. He hit him in stride. It was not a hard throw for Justin Fields. That was probably about 60% of his arm throttled down. Like, and it was a huge completion. It was like a 15 yard completion, right? Right down the middle of the field. That's it's the one, the good one, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, okay, where's this every week? Because that is a perfect example of a play caller, a player, an offense meshing together to say, we do this well, even with the things we have. And what we do is we, when we say scheming an opportunity or creating an opportunity for success, that was a wide open opportunity for success and fields hit it perfectly. We just don't see the offense do that for all the players, not only fields, but Montgomery. How many times did you see Montgomery just blast into what was a closed line, right? With not a lot of opportunity to cut it back there. uh, There were a lot of like, Oh, that's a no hope run. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, probably what I would say at least one fifth of his carries today, maybe even one quarter were like he took the handoff and you were like, yeah, no, they didn't get any movement. There's no opening like he doesn't have a lot of choices except put both hands on the ball and push and see if something pops up. And that's not that's not great design. So it's not just fields that they're not maximizing. Sure. It's also the wide receivers, the tight ends and the running backs. And that comes back in the coaching staff. Oh, and to talk about coaching a little bit, I know I talk on Wednesdays in much greater detail, but to summarize everything, I feel like the most frustrating piece about this Nagy offense is that the only thing that the Bears seem to consistently do is run a bunch of curls. They didn't run any of those today. So once again, it feels like the Bears have, like you could say that they've over-installed, you could say that they go back to the drawing board too often, but they don't seem to have those two or three things that they just run ad nauseum. Right. They don't have anything necessarily for fields to fall back on. It's as if he's got to get 
all or most of his completions on totally separate concepts. And just because something worked once means it'll never work again. And they're never going to call it again, right? Unless it's outside zone, in which case that's the only running play we seem to know. But neither here nor there. It felt like the trouble for Fields today, in my opinion, is... It felt like his accuracy wasn't quite there. He hit three throws that were really pretty, nice, incomplete, or whether you want to call them intermediate or deep throws, depends on your prerogative. Some people like deep beyond 15 yards, but he did have a nice one, or like the nice on the run throw to Darnell Mooney. He picked up a second one, like you talked about, to Goodwin. There was a third one in there. It escapes me because it was early enough in the game. And outside of that, he had one completion on if memory serves so eliminating three eight attempts <laughs> not good not not what anybody necessarily wants missed Cole Kmet on a fa- or on a ball that he looked like he was about to blow Kmet's hands off he overthrew Goodwin on a slant that was fairly covered and sure you could talk drops you could say Darnell Mooney should have had that third down one but he also stared a stack a sack straight in the face and a couple of other things fumbled stepping up in the pocket wasn't a great day for Fields like if we're going to be objective it was not awesome At the same time, I think that these are the kinds of moments where he can learn a lot. I mean, this looked to me like a rookie quarterback deciding that he needed to do everything himself, that he Mm. needed to be the guy to make a play. And, hey, to be fair, against Pittsburgh, against San Fran, against literally any other team we've played, the Packers, it has had to be him that made a play. If he made a play, the offense would find its footing and it wouldn't find its way anywhere else. And yet... With a guy like David Montgomery as a back that you can check down to, sometimes it's okay to say, I'm just going to dish it to uh, to my back. Let's see what he can do. You truly never know what happens when you put the ball in David Montgomery's hands with like a five-yard cloud of space. And I don't know whether it's trust that made the difference. Like, I don't think Andy Dalton threw that out route to Darnell Mooney, the quick screen because he trusted him. Let's not be ridiculous here. But at least in my perspective, this is why you play a rookie quarterback. It's so that they can have ups like the Pittsburgh game to build their confidence. It's so they can have downs like this one where they learn their limits. But a quarterback is not going to have, quote unquote, it every single week. And this was a nice learning moment for Fields on, okay, you don't have it today. What does your game look like? And the injury sucks. Like, we don't need to be so causal, right, as to say Fields learned his lesson or something ridiculous like that. But there is some wisdom in, hey, one of the nice parts about a checkdown is you don't take a hit because every hit is a risk. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and Fields is prone to take them. You know, people say, oh, it's because he's a runner. No, look, it's because he's a rookie quarterback and he's not getting a lot of calls. He's getting hit really close to the sideline. They're not calling that. They're called that for other quarterbacks. Um, He takes a lot of hits. He takes sacks on top of that. And they all do add up. It's a long season. 17 games is a very long season, longer than really anything Justin Fields has played. And the guys are bigger and faster. And so every one, you can get an ankle turned. Every one, you can get your knee bent backwards or your thumb snapped or whatever it is. Like, this is a big, tough game. And so every one less <laughs> that you can make. And I feel like this is where veteran quarterbacks are on one side of the room and rookie quarterbacks are on the other. And rookie quarterbacks are like, we're here to make our mark and we are bigger and faster and stronger than you guys. And all the veteran quarterbacks are like, uh-huh. We used to say that, <laughs> right? Then we got hit a little bit. And now we're telling you, Rook, get the hell down. Rook, 
get the ball out of your hand. I'm telling you, I am 10 years farther along than this, than you, in this, than you. I am telling you, don't do it. Like, I know you think you can. I thought I could too. And there was somebody on this side of the room telling me the same thing. <laughs> it feels like you talk about fathers and sons, right? It feels like the same thing. Like, yep. I've made this mistake. I'm trying to tell you. And the son says, no, nah, it's I got it for right? me. My chin is hard. I'm going to go push it into things and see what happens. Right? I always think about it, DJ, to give an anecdote. I know at least I made this mistake. I don't know if you did too, right? But everybody thinks that their first love is it and that they're they're the exception, oh, yeah. right? That that high school relationship, that one's going to last until it doesn't. And you try to tell somebody else who goes, no, but you don't get it. We're right. different. We're and, the ones. Yeah, yeah exactly. And that is the rookie veteran quarterback debate. So Fields is going to learn that one, and I hope he learns it soon because he's he's been dinged up a fair amount this season. He's been checked out in the medical tent more times than I would like to see. I think right. everybody in Chicago <laughs> gasps a little bit when they pull up the blue tent, and they're like, oh, no, is it Fields? Then he goes to the locker room, and they're like, oh, no, it's Fields. Like, that's what we're here for. And if you remove that, there's really no – hope and a lot less reason to watch bears football right now. So he'll, he'll get there, but I would hate for him to pick up the the sort of injury prone label, which is just something that happens when you end up not on the field a lot. And that's, it's not a fair thing. It's a very fickle thing in fact, right? But give yourself the chance not to be included in that category for games, missed plays, missed, uh, you know, hopefully not seasons missed. So don't take the extra hits. Yep. right now and i mean it doesn't help anything to get away from justin fields because everybody wants to centralize around justin fields when sure. in your first drive you get that nice completion to darnell mooney you get first and 10 i think fields had an incompletion to start that where he threw the ball away and didn't take a sack and then on second and 10 what's the play call it's a run up the middle and on third and five what's the play call it's their fifth attempt at running toss crack it's their fourth one that ends in a tackle for loss it's a driven back or like a play driven backwards. Cairo Santos misses a field goal and what should have been a potential drive that sets up, dare I say, a very good offensive game becomes nothing. And in fact, I think they went down the immediate next drive because Huntley and the Ravens immediately drive back for a kick. I could see you pursing your lips. That call drove me crazy. And I feel like stuff like that has permeated this entire year, if not the very the last three years of the Bears' tenure, because I refuse to look poorly on 2018. That's a that's a good memory. I'm going to keep it that way. I don't need a second look because... You're going to shine that up and it, put it in your pocket, are you? It'll just make it's it... all you've got? <laughs> right now, sometimes it feels like that. But yeah. those sorts of plays where you go oh my word what are we doing like well if, if they've got so much confidence in third and five or like third and short toss crack i would love to see it get yards more than once in five no i go back to the fourth and one right they the stuff they look like they're gonna punt they're confused they end up going to the sideline Nagy's headset's going bananas he's yelling at the cable guy they come out and uh, you know they uh, block up what would have been a decent play and around left right or off tackle outside zone left whatever you want to call it right doesn't really matter you get a lot of guys on the left and you put hats on hats and you need one yard and execution doesn't work out right but everything leading up to that the confusion are we going for it? are we not going for it Should, you know and i'll just ask you straight up did you have any confidence when they lined up for it that they were going to get it so 
That's a great question, EJ. And the short answer is the Wildcat had yet to fail us at that point. It was stupid how effective it was. Like, mm-hmm. it was one of those things that defied understanding. But I was like, well, the last, like, eight <laughs> times we've run this, we get, like, ten yards of pop. I mean, yeah. I couldn't tell you why. But, hey, normally they don't line, or they don't run shotgun, Wildcat, no second back in the backfield. Why we picked right there to have it just be Montgomery back there off of not his own read. <laughs> you know what and I this mean? Is the thing. Like, so you're talking about the, you know, third down play on the opening drive. I'm talking I'm trying about to inject later in the game. Reason and, into some of the stuff. And it's that's a that's a that's tilting at windmills, man. That's a losing game. Uh because like we said, it's always something. And sometimes it's execution, sometimes it's just a terrible choice, sometimes it's terrible communication between coaches on the sideline, coaches on the sideline and the players. Like sometimes it's just like what are you doing and i feel like that's probably about a quarter of the game plan right is even situational what you would call situational football you're like wait a minute what do you why would you do that there like why would you do that there and give you, you just see examples stack right? over and over again and that's bears football for the last three years and for all these people saying well if they were just a little better at this or if they just had more personnel here if they just the bottom line is they don't and they're not going to overcome that. Some coaches yeah. and players combinations of that will. The Bears don't have that right now. So give up on that. I mean, the worst to me, EJ, like just my two cents, right? It's a perfect example of what is wasting timeouts get you, right? You end up where the Bears, it's a minute 40 seconds left on the clock, fourth and 11. And I don't know about you, but I have given up. I am fully prepared for the Bears to lose at the time. I believe it was third. No, it was nine to seven. Memory serves. It's it's serving me wrong. No, I think it might have been nine to seven. Dalton goes back. That Ravens number 21 doesn't blitz like he should. And you give a veteran quarterback a lollipop deep throw where I'm not trying to take this away from Dalton, but the cornerback clearly played the flat like they were expecting a curl route. Probably smart. And the all out pressure didn't get there in time, and when your all-out pressure package doesn't get home, you give up something wide open. That's just the skin of it, right? And so Dalton connects to Marquise Goodwin, and the Bears need a timeout, the last one that they have, to pick their two-point conversion play because apparently they just weren't ready yet. And then fast forward, like, what is it, 120 seconds later? No, it's 80 seconds. Bad math. Dang it, Robert. But at 22 seconds... With seven, or with about 40 yards to go, don't you think that timeout would have been awfully nice when you're picking your play call? Like, uh, it's it's one of those things that I feel like this has been building and building and building, right? Like, we could pick fun at the Bears for Tyler Huntley gutting out a wild drive at the end of the game that ended in seven points their way. First touchdown, by the way, of the game. And we could, we could act... Like it was somehow all Nagy's fault. I think Nagy has to own it, but that was just a whole bunch of defensive miscues that truly, at this point, I don't even quite know what happened. But then the Bears were there with 22 seconds left and less timeouts than they should have had. And I have seen the Atlanta Falcons put a team in field goal range from that spot with that kind of time when they have the middle of the field that they can throw to. But there, at that point, it was hopeless. I feel like this kind of mismanagement has just been slowly building up within the Bears organization. They finally got punished for it. And if I could just 
go so far as to say it, I'm almost glad they did. Because at this stage, I would rather George McCaskey, who apparently needs to see, seems to need a bit more evidence than the rest of us, get all of the reasons to make the decision that we want him to make, and then then risk him potentially keeping him on. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I'm giving up on that too. If you're asking me to get mad about McCaskey's decisions, because <laughs> they had they had everything they needed last year to say. If we truly believe what all teams say, and with some teams, it is truly lip service, right? We're here to win a championship because that's what all teams are supposed to say. We know that that is not true or is much closer to we wish we would win a championship. That's what a lot of teams are actually saying when they say that. So if the Bears truly believe that, if Virginia's supposed fire for all the miscues and mismanagement was actually aimed at this is embarrassing and you know my grandfather wouldn't have liked this that would be one thing but if that was true there is absolutely no justification at the end of last year prior to the drafting of justin fields to hold the coaching staff over at minimum now i think pace should have gone as well we said so in the middle of last season. This is not sour grapes. Like nope. we have this on the Bears Over Beers podcast from mid December last year. We said, nope, it's time. They have everything they need to see that this particular amalgamation of talent with GM, coach, and playing staff, this roster, nope, it's not going anywhere. So you need to start now to make the change because it's going to take a little bit. This is not going to be an instant pivot. And the longer you wait, the longer it's going to be until change comes. They sat around for a week and decided that the very best thing, without any justification, was to run it back. And when asked, they said, we trust. We believe. We've talked. They've said. That's all they said. That's all they had because there isn't anything else. And we've seen the exact same things continue and actually get a little bit worse in certain cases. The game management's one that you're talking about, and you're not wrong. And so they had everything they needed last year to make that decision and they still chose after an incredibly long deliberation at that time of year as you know days can make a difference as to whether or not you get a the candidate you want or the third one on your list oh yeah because musical chairs goes very quickly they sat around for over a week and then basically kind of out of weight of well i guess we haven't done anything just said we're not going to do anything so i don't expect that any more of this which is not wildly out of character as to what we saw last year it's more of the same lots more is going to in any way skew their decision process and make them go oh oh now like i keep seeing people who aren't bears fans <laughs> reach out on twitter and say oh they're gonna fire naggy tomorrow and i keep saying nah we don't we don't do that here. you're late to the party like yeah. we're in this <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh i i feel like we have a run out of words you know I, as a podcaster, a lot of times we try to just find some new way to talk about something that's been talked to death. But sure. in this case, I feel like even the most optimistic person, right, would look at this situation that we're in right now and say, or, and have trouble arguing that change is needed. If for no other reason than change for change's sake, which it's not always a good thing, and I get it. Everybody wants to be that stalwart Pittsburgh franchise where your head coach has been there for 15 years. But, like, 
let's let's find Tomlin before we just elect Nagy to that position at this point. But that's all here and there. If anything, EJ, you and I know we got to talk about positives and negatives from this game in particular. So we'll take a break for the sponsors and we will be right back afterwards with you Bears fans to talk about ups, downs, game balls, etc. from this Bears Ravens game. Talk to you on the other side. And we are back with Bear With Me. I'm here, Robert Schmitz, your host with EJ Snyder of Bears Over Beers on the Windy City Gridiron Podcast Network. You guys do an awesome job, by the way. I've been, I, like, it's just been so fun seeing the way that that show's grown. Anyways, Rough Bears loss 16 to 13 as they now fall to 3 and 7, and potentially the rest of their season just collapsed in on itself. But we still have to talk about why. We have to talk ups and downs. EJ, is there any specific player that stood out to you, good or bad? Uh, on the good side, the ups, Jalen Johnson, still awesome. Kind of laboring away in anonymity, which is tough. That's what happens when you are a very good player on a not very good team. Um, Jalen Johnson, one on one. Very, very solid effort today. Um, he would be the guy on the up. And uh, Darnell Mooney on the offense, right? He had his opportunities. He missed a couple, but there were some bad throws that he was reaching for. He still was the guy getting open and producing. Um, was it great? No, but uh, stand out against most of the rest of his offensive mates. Um, those would probably be the two on the upside. On the downside, look, there's lots to talk about there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a couple while you think about it. So sure. st- sticking like straight on the up, I can't go this game without mentioning Robert Quinn, who is a real lesson as an evaluator in the the meaning of an injury, right? We all talked about it. I said it on a bunch of podcasts because I know I produced a big YouTube video on Robert Quinn who ended up with two sacks that we could say easily, EJ, well, you know – When you talk about an edge rusher dealing with a foot injury, I mean, that is that is the game. Like, I'm sure that the foot injury is affecting him a lot, but that's easier to say that sentence. I'm sure the foot injury is affecting them than to see what they would look like if they weren't hurt. And in a rare moment, we are actually seeing a formerly injured player stay healthy. He had three and a half sacks today. He could have had two strip sacks, had one. I mean, he was dominant. He looked like the edge rusher that the Bears paid $15 million on or over under for. He was awesome. Another one, you mentioned uh, Jalen Johnson. Well, another young player that the Bears have, Roquan Smith, looks like a beast, which isn't even surprising anymore at this point. I know I was waiting over these last couple weeks to see Roquan Smith really surge forward in a defense that didn't have Eddie Jackson, it didn't have Khalil Mack. I was like, Roquan, this is where I want to see him play like that player that's probably going to get a massive extension this offseason. Today, I feel like we saw it. We saw Tyler Huntley look away from Smith on multiple occasions where he thought, maybe I could throw there, but... Roquan's underneath. I think I'm just not going to. Ended up with 17 tackles, 13 solo. I hate tackles as a stat, but I pick it because that is such a high volume that it goes to show just how often, whether it was Roquan getting pulled forward on play action, turning around, getting downhill, and making a tackle, or whatever else it was, he was everywhere. I mean, Roquan was all over the place. On offense, oh, you mentioned Mooney, so I... Oh, gosh. I may be out 
at that point because it's not like well it's not like Dalton played classically well like no, he hit on some big opportunities but he also missed on a bunch of opportunities like on all levels of the field if anything it was hilarious watching like a bunch of throws that we were like and of course we've gotten used to fields hitting that one and Dalton's gonna come out here and miss it and just make us feel bad but the uh, the line didn't play I maybe I'm crazy I don't feel like they played horrible we've seen them play worse but they weren't good necessarily. The offense was just bad overall today. But Quinn, you mentioned Johnson, Roquan stood out, and then and then there was Kendall Vildor, who it's not like he looked like a different player. You know what I mean? Nope. He just finally had a team drop back and target him, and I feel like it was rough to watch. It couldn't have been just me, you know, because when you watch a guy not only seemingly getting beat downfield, but also like committing penalties of all sorts at all those like at the apex of guys routes i'm sure i'm botching some of the terminology but at least to me as a fan of defensive backs that are able to stay in position a lot like jalen johnson watching vildor consistently holding and tugging on guys jerseys as he's behind made me feel bad because that's an easy way to give up extra yardage you know what i mean yeah vildor you said it pretty well he has done this all year long oh yeah and this is something he has done largely in anonymity, and that anonymity is due to the fact that the Bears pass rush for the first month of the season and then kind of a little bit resurgent over the last two weeks with Robert Quinn, you know, throwing up pressure numbers. There was enough pressure that his coverages where he wasn't close, where, uh, again, a quarterback that was unhurried and had plenty of time would have absolutely targeted the guy he wasn't covering or was supposed to be covering, however you want to put that. Like, this has consistently gone on, and if you watch the L-22, his coverage has not been good. His numbers, uh, we called him out, oh, probably about a month ago on Bears over Bears, as, like, his the numbers he was allowing, even with a good pass rush, were not great. And I think it's we, 150 passer rating. Not the biggest and, fan of passer rating, but not but, supposed to end up on that high end of it, you know? No, and there were even more missed opportunities that were there for the taking. If a quarterback had been able to see them today. Yeah. They just pretty much lit him up. Um, quick shout to Deandre. He Carson had a pass breakup today and played well. Uh, he has shown me something this year. He was always a guy that was on the roster because of special teams, in my opinion, he's been forced into action with, you know, injuries to the safeties. And he's played pretty well. Again, uh, this is a guy that, you know, in the very low end of the roster who's been around the Bears a long time and is delivering decent results. Now, again, is he playing great defensive back? No, but he's playing solidly, and that's saying something, again, given his draft pedigree um, and his contract status. So a lot of good players. I mean, uh, you know, Quinn is kind of – not the guy you're going to hang your hat on. We should say Khalil Mack went on IR this week. He's going to have foot surgery, so that means no more Mack this year. Quinn's, you know, aging, and they could probably get out of his contract after this year without a ton of extra money. Um, Jalen Johnson, a young corner, definitely a guy you want to, you know, see stay with the franchise for a long time and would be worth the investment of Roquan Smith the same way. So you've got a guy at each level. Um, yep. that's performing really well right now. But uh, at the defensive line level, you'd like to see a little bit more youth. You'd like to see that be a guy like Travis Gibson come into his own and start to develop as a real threat. Uh, Roquan, like great homegrown top round pick. You're talking about a first rounder in the top 10 who's become a blue chip talent. And, you, you know, that's the way you want to see it. You're going to resign your own talent. 
And, you know, so you've got a few pieces, but boy, you know, there's a lot of guys out there on defense and saying three of them or four of them or 4.5 of them played decently if we're down to sort of the DeAndre Houston Carson level. That means a lot of guys didn't show up or didn't play particularly well. And you could see that. You could see it on runs up the middle by the Ravens, right? There was there was a bunch of runs up the middle that, you know, didn't really look like strong contact until they were six or seven yards past the line of scrimmage. Then they got dragged down after another two or three. So you're looking at, you know, second and four, second and three. That's that's not great. Um, the offensive line, you said, didn't play badly. You're right about that as well. There were some reps where they got pushed into the quarterback. They did not make a lot of holes in the running game after the first quarter. Like, well, first quarter and beginning of the second, there were some nice scheme runs where they had those nice pushes through the line, and you saw David Montgomery go five or six yards before contact. There weren't a lot of them, and by the end of the game, there were none of them. Yep. I mean, what I think has hurt to watch with this Bears team, and so I want to pick on Houston Carson for a little bit because one thing that you're speaking my language right? I love safeties that the way that I would describe it is that they can make a play before the ball gets to their receiver, right? When it comes to defensive backs in general, I think we can find ourselves being swooned sometimes by safeties that always show up to make the tackle. And that's great. But as much as I know, everybody would dunk on Eddie Jackson for saying anybody can tackle when he struggled with tackling. I also think that there is something to the idea of if you can make a play on the ball before it gets there, you obviously want to. Houston Carson, to compare him directly with Deion Bush, is the safety that I would want to keep because Bush seems like whether it's he ends up out of position more than I want to admit, like he'll, he flashed a little bit at the very early part of this season, but then you'll see these mistakes here and there where it's like, oh, dead gummit, it's not going to get any better, is it? You know what I mean? Where I feel like you watch a lot of these Bears defensive backs. I like Houston Carson, and I love the instincts that he displays as a defensive back. Get a, He made the play on, I think it was Mark Andrews, which ironically was one of the only scenarios where you might want to allow the guy to catch the ball. And you're never going to tell a defender, hey, let him catch it at the one-yard line. No way. But... There are a whole bunch of other guys. We talked about Vildor. I feel like we could point the finger a little bit at Duke Shelley. It feels like offenses are leveraging a lot of these Bears defenders that we talk about on the week-to-week and basically saying, look, you don't have to attack them on first down. You don't necessarily have to attack them on second down. But right now it's third and eight, so we're going to send Mark Andrews at Duke Shelley, and he's going to get a free 22 yards. Like, it gets tiring past a certain point. And I feel like there's only so much that Desai can do. The cupboard's pretty bare from defensive back talent. Like, am I crazy for feeling like we could, I don't want to use the word absolve, but there's a lot of things going at Sean Desai right now in the Twitterverse that I feel like are a bit unfair because it's not like we can point to defensive backs on the roster and be like, well, we should be playing them. You know what I mean? Defensive back was a hole on this roster moving in. They had Eddie Jackson, who is competent starter or above depending on how you feel about him but he is at least that in the nfl universe and you had jalen johnson who was proven you know top 10 corner in the nfl somewhere around that range even as a rookie and that's amazing and those are the guys you had and after that it was tayshawn gibson it was maybe Dion bush Neither is a great option. The corners dropped off immediately. You're talking about Vilder and Shelley in some order who are going to be playing outside and slot. And, uh, you know, uh, our colleague Bill Zimmerman <laughs> from, 
from Bears Banner put up on Twitter today is Kendall Builder the worst starting CB2 in the NFL? Question mark. It was like an honest question. And I, you know, he's in the running. Like he's in the running, even with injuries, like he's not doing, he's barely getting in the way. So you were undermanned in the secondary from the get go. And then there've been injuries, you know, Eddie Jackson missed some time. Deion Bush has been out. Uh, Tishon Gibson missed a little bit of time, rotated back in. Uh, luckily, and I do say luckily, Jalen Johnson stayed healthy. He was dinged up at the end of last year, missed two games with the shoulder at the end. So a lot of people forget about it. it Honestly, so right now, if Jalen Johnson even, you know, got a hangnail and couldn't play for a week, it would be a free for all. There, there's <laughs> nobody to stop anybody in this defensive secondary. And again, to your point, I don't care who Sean Desai lines up. He's going to be suiting up before long because there just aren't bodies left. Right. And he doesn't have any horsepower. I mean, you look at a, a three wide receiver set with Justin Jefferson, Thielen, and, you know, whomever. Oh, boy, we <laughs> right? have two games left on the schedule of this. Uh-huh. And you go, I mean, imagine that with, you can take any one of them away with Jalen Johnson, but you're not going to take any of the others away. Or, oh, geez, Jalen Johnson, you know, got food poisoning. Let's let's make it really kind of benign, even though if you've had food, food poisoning, it's not that benign. Uh, but he's out for like a couple days, and so he can't play the game. Like, go up against that passing offense with no corners. Like, good luck. Like, I would not you know like what's going to happen. No, you know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's what's trouble here, EJ. Like, the worst part, I feel like anyways, of getting deep into the film stuff is you end up walking into a game like this Ravens game saying, well, it's not going to go well. And I don't feel like it's as simple as saying I've watched all my pitchers give up runs over 162 days or games. So therefore, it's more like Vildor has been, I would say he's best within the first two seconds of the play. And Huntley held onto the ball a lot. He got beat up pretty good for it, too. I can't remember quite how many sacks the Bears had. There were quite a few of them. But on those long-developing plays where the Bears' pressure didn't get home, it was a matter of time before they could pick on Kendall. And it hurt to watch as a fan because, again, I think he's a fifth-round rookie that's being asked to play out of position as in the nickel. I think he makes a little more sense. But even if he wasn't, you know what I mean? That's like he should never be starting as a CB2. That's one of those where I don't want to hang the hat too hard on pace. We already talked pre-show about how we're not going to do a ton of team building talk here, but coming into the season with Kendall Vildor as the CB2 was much more problematic than Kendall Vildor's play today against Tyler Huntley. At least that's my opinion. What do you think? Yeah, there's no way that you let Kyle Fuller out of the building. Like Kyle Fuller was under contract, right? And you didn't have to get rid of him as a question of an extension. And we don't know what was said in in those negotiations or what wasn't said. You know, Kyle Fuller could have come in and stomped his foot and said, I want out. Right. We don't know. I don't think that happened. But from a team building standpoint, without getting into it too much, you don't let that guy go because there's nothing behind him. There's Kendall Vilder and Duke Shelley behind him. And that's it. And you're not planning on drafting a corner high. Right now, you never know exactly what's going to go on your draft plan, but like you let him go and you know exactly what the spot opposite Jalen Johnson is going to look like because that they're not going to evaporate out of nowhere. You're not just going to, you know, 
vaporize a quarterback and say, there, we, have, we right. have a player that can play outside. And you have a very good one in Kyle Fuller, regardless of how you feel or whether his play was going to fall off or whatever else. He was here for the year, and you let him out of the building. And you knew what was going to happen. And you were basically taking your medicine. And people act like that wasn't a thing, right? They're like, oh, well, well whatever. It doesn't matter. He was under contract, all things considered, unless he was going to hold out, which NFL players rarely do. He was going to be starting opposite Jalen Johnson. And that secondary looks 100% better than anything the Bears are able to field at this point in the season. Sure. I mean, I'll tell you first and foremost, like, I feel like the trouble with Fuller, now granted, like you're saying, I don't know, I'm just willing to speculate. And I get the impression that Fuller wanted out, that they approached Fuller about a restructure because they said, look, Kyle, you and I both know we're not paying you $20 million in 2021. So let's get that number down. We'll keep you here for another three years. Here's what we got. And Fuller said, I would like to play somewhere else, which, hey, given the trajectory of the Bears organization, can you blame him? I would not. But so it's the sort of thing that, to me, the problem doesn't even necessarily need to be releasing Fuller. It's that they didn't replace him. Like, they got, they brought in Desmond Trufant. This kind of game was coming. Kendall Vildor is really, really struggling out there. I mean, just to pick on somebody, because I feel like I'm one of the higher people on Eddie Jackson, period, across the Bears world right now. But without Jackson on this defense, they are getting killed out there. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo walked all over the Bears. Oh, my word, I don't want to watch through Chase Claypool going up against Kendall Vildor again. And to Sean Gibson, while he came away with the first interception in, I believe, 42 days, 160-some-odd pass attempts, <laughs> the worst part, EJ, is that that ball was thrown behind Mark Andrews enough that I don't feel like it was necessarily like a, a play on the ball so much as, hey, sometimes you get interceptions and you didn't even necessarily do anything. So the defensive backfield play right now is a lot to worry about, and I don't think that Tim Boyle will be the catalyst that makes things any worse on Thanksgiving, so we have that to be <laughs> thankful for. But uh, <laughs> playing Minnesota, you mentioned that, and I was like, oh no, even Green Bay, they have one guy to stop, and then kind of an everybody else. But Minnesota has that legit number one where even Jalen's going to struggle against uh, against Justin Jefferson. And they have a legit number two that's going to torch anyone we use on him. So you have you've bummed me out and I didn't think it could get much sadder. <laughs> that's what I'm here for, Robert. Just to just to lay down the realities of what might happen. You never know. Kendall Wilder could come up with three picks against Kirk Cousins because stranger things have happened. Can you even imagine <laughs> like... Oh, it'd be so fun. I Again, I you know, at this point in the season, you talk about why are we here? Why are we doing this? Or what words do we have? And I'm here for the chaos, right? If Kendall Wilder comes up with three picks against Kirk Cousins, good for him. Good for Sean Desai. Good for every Bears defender that's out there kicking ass on every play saying, hey, you know, you don't appreciate me. Like, you know, sometimes the ball yeah. bounces your way. You talked about it with Deshaun Gibson today. That ball rolled into him and he rolled with it and kept it from hitting the turf. Good for him. Like sometimes it's a fickle game. It's an odd shape. Go get yours. You know, go get yours. It's not a bad thing by any stretch of the imagination. It's just more to say that there are defenses out there that put pressure on offenses and create interceptions, right? This was not a product of that. This was a product of straight up luck. 
I would love, I would love to say anything else, you know? It's not like we're sitting here wanting to be like, the bears are bad. Yeah, that makes me excited, but it, it really <laughs> wouldn't. <laughs> that would be a weird position to be in. And I, and we do see people in sports media. It came up again this week that, like, uh, you know, guy doubling down, radio show host saying, do you realize if this guy gets good that I was wrong and that means blah, blah. Like, it's like doubling down on your take that you hope a guy on your team is terrible. And, you know, I we talked about it early. We talked about the Bills, right? And I was anti-Josh Allen, right? Not the person, not the guy that's developing. Build an argument that anybody shouldn't have been. You know what I mean? No. Historically, it had never happened before. Right? And it did. And good for McDermott and Dable and Josh Allen and that whole Bills offense and, and all of Bills fandom, right? Is that you have a real quarterback. That's amazing. I can still, from a draft analyst perspective, be strong say I was strongly anti-Josh Allen as a top-round pick. Like, that was an incredibly risky move, i.e. it had never paid off in history. The Bills made it pay off. Now, people say, are you unhappy with that? And I say, no, I'm thrilled because the Bills have a quarterback. The Bills being relevant and challenging the Patriots for supremacy, you know, topping them, winning the division last year, and then saying, hey, we're going to keep you down for multiple years all the Bills fan base, and and Josh Allen himself, right? Like, I am so freaking thrilled for that guy. And it's fun as an NFL fan to see a guy like that playing at a high level and say, you're a unicorn. You've never happened before. This is amazing. That's what I feel about Josh Allen. My take, on record, I would do it again, right? It's the goofy meme, right? I'd do it again. You're the guy who predicted the Trubisky trade-up. Like, ah, the- yeah, well... Well, it's you know, it's, it's more to say that, like, you get some, you miss some, and nobody's excited. There is no dancing on the Bears' defensive backfield grave, you know? Nope. Like, it's, it's more to point out that if – this is the way I always like to say it, right? If I, a 27-year-old, sitting in his apartment in Dallas, Texas, can say, that's probably going to be an issue, then you would hope that your NFL front office and staff could do the same. You know what I mean? Like, it's you. You want to know what ultimate chaos would look like? Tell me. And I said this two weeks ago to a friend of mine. I said if Josh Allen sprains his ankle, oh, and Dable makes Trubisky look a hero, at all palatable, like has him playing in a pro level, like the heat on Matt Nagy is gonna go through the roof this year. Like, yo, it would be instant. It would be instant. If Trubisky plays and everybody's like, oh, what's happening to Josh Allen? I said, no, no, I'm not predicting any doom for Josh Allen, but it's a long season. He gets rolled up on going out of the sideline. He sprains his ankle and he says, that's it, Mitch, you're in, right? And Mitch Trubisky comes in for a Bills team that's kind of up and down and plays well, like decently well. I'm not talking about amazing. I'm not talking about hero ball. I'm talking about leads them to relevancy in sure. those games wins a couple of games it can be that simple colt the mccoy heat, right now is doing the same thing the heat on Nagy would be so intense because everybody said oh it was mitch and he couldn't read defenses and he can't like that has been mitch's struggle but we all saw the good plays for mitch we all saw the running ability we all saw the arm we all saw the holy crap he made that happen plays right and if he goes to a different situation with a different coordinator and plays well 
everybody, especially after seeing the dumpster fire of what's going on with the bill or with the bears offensive game planning at the beginning of this year is going to turn right back at Nagy and go, huh? Maybe it, uh, maybe it wasn't Mitch and it's a total like theoretical, but yep. You know, am I rooting against Mitch because I predicted Mitch was going to be a good, good, ah, good quarterback and he came to Chicago and it didn't work out for him after double doink, right? Yeah, after the point TV. of double, post double <laughs> doink, it went straight downhill. Am I pissed at Mitch? No, I hope Mitch succeeds. And if he does, good for him. If he doesn't, I'm also willing to say, like I was in the end of the Trubisky era, look, this is not the thing. It's not going to work out for all parties involved in this situation yep and i feel like at this point we have to finish out with really ej the only question i think we can ask okay if and it sounds like you guys already answered it on bears over beers but i'll Mm. need you to answer it here on bear with me the bears are three and seven they're probably not going to the playoffs in fact it would probably take a miracle i think if you take a look at the afc or the nfc standings they are 15th and they will not be 16th it would be incredibly difficult for them to fall to 16th with Detroit on this or with Detroit where they are. But they're 15th all the same, so they're probably going to go to the playoffs. With that in mind, what are you looking for to see throughout the rest of the season? It's a really good question. I would like to see Fields number 1 stay healthy. Like I do not want to see a Joe Burrow situation where he's behind the line and gets beat up enough that he gets a significant injury. You can never control that, but that would be my number one wish is that Justin Fields stays healthy. My number two wish or one a one B, if you want to be that way about it is that he continues to progress, right? That we continue to see him make more quality plays and string more quality plays together. Will there be rookie mistakes? There will. I would like to see instead of regression, progression and if we can continue to see that um those two things would make me happy uh if you want a little bonus round i would love to see well i'll give you 2a and 2b on the bonus round i would love to see tevin jenkins get on the field for some reps somewhere now there's a long discussion that i've had multiple times about where that is uh it's not an easy puzzle to sort through no and maybe an injury opens something up uh, and it gets a little bit easier but i would like to see him on the field again getting his legs underneath him is it meaningful might they shut him down Eh, they might you know just to save it but i would like to see him get a little bit of game rep and then the other one is i would like to see a little we talked about this before the show i would like to see a little bit more balance with khalil herbert Yep, I'd like to see some opportunities where he gets some meaningful touches in each game plan and the staff does the best to go out of their way to put him in positions to succeed because he's got real talent. So those are the sort of 1A, 1B, 2A, 2B I'd like to see from the rest of the Bears season. Yep. For me, I would say mine are pretty similar. First, first and foremost, like step zero, take a deep breath because the Bears season is almost assuredly over which truly changes nothing because it was never about wins and losses. And it's fun to get wrapped up in it. It really is. But it's all about Justin Fields, and it's still about Justin Fields. But I think the hardest part for Bears fans right now is that Justin Fields' statistics have, in my opinion, so misrepresented how he's played. Like, it's not about, oh, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Well, if he was, he would be statistically productive. But you could point out all sorts of things across his career so far where it's like, man, the ball has bounced against him a lot. At least it feels that way to me. Maybe that's 
Maybe that's what you do with a struggling quarterback. But in my opinion, you watch the game, but you got to be patient. If you're too reactionary, you're going to bench Justin Fields this weekend right after he just played so well against Pittsburgh and I think played pretty well against San Francisco the week before then. Like, we, we take a breath because Fields is not going to be exactly who he's going to be as a rookie. Goff wasn't. Josh Allen wasn't. Baker Mayfield even wasn't. I mean, none of these guys from their rookie year to their sophomore year will ever look exactly the same. You'll see a lot of the similar tendencies, but we learn a lot about the player as the player learns a lot about what it's like to play in the NFL. I don't think either of us are saying Justin Fields is a sure thing. What we are saying is that we have completely given up and Viking funeraled any hope to see this offense fundamentally shift itself. They may even try to. But as far as results go, when you get to the point where 10 games into the season, you are the worst offense in football, it's not like it's going to go too far up from there. So at this stage, I would love to see player development. I see people say this all the time. They're like, well, I want the Bears to lose, so Nagy gets fired. But I want to see Justin Fields go off. And I'm like, you know, it's hard to for those two things to happen. At the same time, like it's it, you don't get a lot of games like Pittsburgh where Justin Fields feels like he has a huge, great performance and the Bears also lose. So at this stage, I I barely care, truly. Like, <laughs> no pun intended. Uh, right. Uh, they had it today. Right. That's <laughs> the thing is like they had it today. Like they were winning that game with less than two minutes to go. And there was that little bit of dread in me like, oh, Jeez, you know, they they probably shouldn't have won this game. Like they tried pretty hard not to, but it is going to it the this is classically bears, right? And you are 100% with this. It's just these little wins that stack up. They don't really mean anything in the scheme of things, but they drop them down oh seven or eight points in the draft order at the end of the year. And, you know, I was there and Baltimore fan there and I was like he's going to be sad I'm going to be sad nobody wins and then Baltimore goes down drives they get a score they get excited the Bears probably get what they deserved in terms of how they played today on the field I'm not talking about retribution for the franchise I'm talking about you get what you earned As you lose the fact, game to your and point yeah I, you I, stay in the draft position ranking so there you go everybody wins it honestly I don't love how it happened you know what I mean? If I got to mm-hmm. reshuffle the game like one of those rush puzzles, I, like I would have taken Dalton's t- touchdown and put it in the first half so they score a first half touchdown and they score an early second half touchdown and then lose. Like obviously the way it happened was nothing short of brutal if not comic, but it didn't feel like the Bears deserved to win this game. I can't sit here and pretend that a screen pass to Mooney. It looked like an RPO bubble that gets taken to the house and a 49 yard blown coverage were the reason that the bears deserved to win this game, but it's moot now. Cause they lost <laughs> true story, true but story. yeah, EJ, we got a lot of things coming up on the podcast network. Thanks so much for jumping on. I know we've got, what is it, Baron Balance tomorrow, where Jeff and Lester will take a better look at this game with 
the time to rewatch it. And then we've got Bears Over Beers. We've got Bears Banter on Wednesdays. What's coming up for you guys? And how are you guys dealing with Thanksgiving? As a matter of fact. Uh, yeah, as a matter of fact. So typically we end up recording late Wednesday night and uh, publishing on Friday. This this week we're actually going to record right after Bear and Balanced on Monday. Okay. Uh, and then publish late Wednesday. So it's before the game on Thursday because cool. Bears are playing the lions on thanksgiving so that'll be our and we're not having a guest this week we already had uh, one lions guest on previously on the first game so we're gonna do something fun we're gonna have uh normally we do a little bit of a speed round at the end with the guest and we're probably gonna do something like oh thanksgiving sides power rankings uh so we'll have a little bit of a little bit of holiday fun moving into the lions game because that might be um peak nfl unwatchability like the the, the winless Lions versus the Bears who are struggling deeply, that that might not be a very pretty game. But, hey, we're all going to, you know, get to enjoy Thanksgiving otherwise, hopefully. What do you got coming up? Well, I've got my fingers crossed, first things first, that somehow we find out that it was just a rib contusion. Because one yeah. thing that I know I've been thinking about when it came to Fields' injury, I saw a couple of comments on this in the chat, feel like I have to address it. I, I am not convinced that Fields' rib injury happened, per se, on the hit where when he went down and went to the tent, I thought he'd hyperextended his leg. Like, that, to me, made more sense, given the shoestring nature of the tackle. I think there's a chance that on that very good win pl- play that you talked about, Fields got cooked on that hit and that it just built up over time, if that makes sense. And he was eventually like, I, I this hurts like crazy. But who knows? Um, hopefully, cro- fingers crossed, Fields plays. At this point, I know that as far as my streams go and whatnot, we're going to be doing our usual Wednesday night stream because it's not Thursday yet. And then we probably won't do a post-game stream on Thanksgiving. Like, I'll record a podcast and then put it up, but it'll be Thanksgiving. So I will be with my family. And uh, and then we'll do Wednesday night again, just keeping it up. You know what I mean? <laughs> a lot of cool sure. stuff coming up on the on the Windy City Gridiron podcasting channel. EJ, you want to plug your Twitter handle? And uh, any bootleg stuff coming up, too? Yeah, absolutely. Bootlegs rolling along. Uh, bootleg will probably come out Wednesday this week. We usually record that uh, again Tuesday night. So you can find that on YouTube at Bootleg Football. Uh, Twitter handle is at the Draftsman FB. Lots of stuff on Twitter, especially if I'm watching the games live, tend to do a little bit of stream of consciousness during games. And uh, then bears over beers on the windy city gridiron podcast channel and of course youtube we've got all the shows on youtube this year so you can search youtube and find those as well which has been a lot of fun uh thank you very much for your role in making that happen it's been huge absolutely ej it's been a good Bears season so far it will continue to be a good bear season depending on your definition of the word good but until next time we've got another game on thursday bear down everybody and thanks so much for bearing with me 